We live in a world of dynamic cyber threats, but one thing is clear, human behavior is the most vulnerable target for attacks. Welcome to Behave by CyberSafe, the foremost cybersecurity podcast focused on human cyber risk. Organizational awareness is no longer enough. So how will your team stay protected? Be sure to subscribe to Behave with your preferred listening app for cutting edge insights into our evolving industry and stay ahead of the shift to security behaviors and human risk quantification. Enjoy the episode. Hello, we're back again for another episode of the Behave podcast. This episode promises to give our audience a glimpse into the industry that some of us may tend to overlook when it comes to cybersecurity. However, recently this industry has been subject to some quite damaging cyber attacks. Today's guest is Stu Walton, Deputy Director of Digital and IT at Newman University in Birmingham. He's worked in the IT industry for seven and a half years following a decade as a secondary school teacher. Stu's new remit includes responsibility for cybersecurity across the institution and the challenge of developing a cyber awareness program that is approaching the end of its first year. After recently discovering the CyberSafe Behave podcast, he's been looking to build a network of cyber people, albeit not in a Doctor Who way, he might add, so that he can continue learning about the topic he genuinely didn't expect to be in thrall of, human cyber risk management. In his spare time, he plays baseball. Yes, they play baseball in the UK and enjoys the ever-growing range of vegan food available in pubs and restaurants. Stu, welcome to the, po- the podcast, mate. Uh, it's great to finally have you on. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, thank you for the opportunity, Ben, and thank you for that wonderful uh, introduction. Uh, I'm glad I spent so long writing it. No, not at all, not at all. I was actually quite surprised they play baseball in the UK, but actually now thinking about it, I'm not, because you can find most sports like Ultimate Frisbee, and various other bits and bobs. Um, a friend of mine plays underwater hockey. So, oh, wow. Yeah, it's uh, all kind of niche sports in the UK. So that's quite cool. How long have you been playing for? Um, since 2011. It's oh, so quite a while then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, our club has been running that whole time. And uh, I used to play cricket, play cricket for 20 years. Uh, and then towards the end of that time, started playing baseball. So it was cricket on a Saturday, baseball on a Sunday. And then I just got to a point where I wasn't going to get any higher in terms of cricket standard. I'd done everything that I think I could have done. And baseball was learning something new every week. So baseball was the, was the clear winner for me. That's cool. That's cool. So part-time cybersecurity enthusiast, full-time baseball player is the dream, right? Pretty much. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So I like to start these off as, as has become uh, tradition on my episode of the uh, podcast, the pizza question. So you're ordering pizza. I already know you're a vegan. So you can choose only four toppings, excluding okay. vegan cheese and tomato base. What, what are you having? I mean, this, this was the question I was, I've spent the most time preparing for. I realise it's the, the one that people really care about. So um, yeah, I, my, my choices are red onion, bell peppers, spinach and artichoke. Oh. You don't tend to get artichoke on a pizza no. very often, but there's a place that my wife and I go occasionally that does this. It also has black olives, which I'm less keen on, but my wife really likes them, so she gets the black olive. Love that. Maybe a uh, kind of a, a regional pizza tour might be in might be in order. Absolutely <laughs> brilliant. On to the more sensible topic of uh, of human cyber risk. To begin with, I know you've been an avid listener of the Behave podcast up until this point. You obviously messaged me on LinkedIn about it. I'd love to know what it was about the human cyber risk space that particularly interested you 
and made you want to understand more? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I stumbled across it, the, the podcast and, and found that a lot of what I was hearing really resonated with the experience I was having or, or thoughts that I was starting to have. And in some instances made me reflect on what we've done so far and, and think, should we have done things a bit differently? Should we have done things better? Uh, you know, and, and things like that. So what I found was that there is that community of people who are working on this and are having the same challenges or have had some of the same challenges and that I don't necessarily have to figure it out all on my own. You know, it's very easy to just sit there and, and think I'm the only person responsible for this in the organisation because we're a small organisation. It's all on me. I've got to figure it all out. And people are looking at me going, well, you've got this job. What, what, what's, what's next to you? What are we doing? And it's nice that actually there is that, that network of people who are there and that you that community that you can you can speak to. So the first episode I listened to was the one with uh, Lance Spitzner, and he talked about cybersecurity, how it's become so complicated on a technical level that people get confused and so they don't engage with it. I was like, oh, obviously, but why didn't I think of that? You know what I mean? That that kind of that kind of feeling. So that was that was a, a great moment. He also he sort of talked about how the focus had traditionally been on those technical controls and processes but not on the people. Uh, I'm sure I'm telling everybody what they already know because they've already listened to that episode. But if you haven't, go back and listen to it because it really helped me. And it made me even think, God, just the, like thinking about films from like the 80s to now, how the focus in those films were like teenagers could accidentally start World War Three because technical controls and cybersecurity were so poor. So I recently spoke... Uh, to, our, to our staff body about cybersecurity in this regard and talked about passwords and how they're not very weak, they're, they're not very strong and that we can put all of these technical controls in place uh, and have all these processes. Um, so, you know, you can put multiple locks on all of your doors and windows and you can dig a moat around your house and you can fill it with water and crocodiles and you can have a drawbridge and a portcullis and you can do all of these things. But... If somebody knocks on the door and says they're from the gas board and you just let them in without checking their ID, what was the point in all of that that you've built? And I think that to me was the message I was trying to get across was this is why we're focusing so much on the human side of it because it's the most vulnerable attack vector and we need to try and protect you and indeed protect the organisation. So it's that human side of trying to protect people and I think it's very easy to fall into that thing of compliance versus the actual care for people. And you're saying, well, because the compliance is there, we ticked all the boxes, the organisation is safe, but actually not necessarily caring about the people and almost sort of hanging the people out to dry if, you, if, that, if something goes wrong. So another episode, Leanne Potter, she talks about the day someone clicks on a ransomware link is the worst day of their working life. And that's a terrible thing to think of, actually. <laughs> and if we've created that culture where they might feel blamed for doing that, then they're probably not going to report it. And that actually makes our job a lot harder. And, and uh, I think I said it in that episode, it creates a culture of, and let's face it, you have to click links to do anything nowadays. Of course you do. So telling people not to, it's totally counterintuitive. It slows down processes. It makes their life difficult. But also, if there is a blame culture in there, and they're, they're, they are at risk of 
being sent to HR if they click on anything or being blocked out of their account or having to do another hour and a half of training. Imagine the stress that you're placing on that person. And, and when these organisations say, yeah, we take um, workplace care, right, really, really, we find it really important, we really care about everybody who works for us, when actually, when you scratch beneath the surface and you see actually they're doing everything just to meet compliance, but when it actually comes to supporting the people and enabling and helping them, what are they actually doing? Yeah, exactly. You want to, you've said there about clicking, you want to create confident clickers. In just in general of using IT, and I've seen that in supporting people, you know, in the organisation and in other organisations who are perhaps less confident using computers, and they, they treat a laptop like it's a lit firework. Every time they touch it, they go like, oh, right, what have I done now? You know, they're scared of clicking on things. And that creates a bottleneck as well. It slow, as you say, it slows that process down because you're like, no, it's okay. You aren't going to blow up the server because you clicked on that. It's fine, you know, and, and so... That is, we're not there yet, but that is something we, you know you want to aim towards constantly is, is creating that that community of confident clickers. And the question I then sometimes ask is: Is that and I love that analogy of, of using a computer like a, or a laptop like a lit firework? Is that a learned behaviour, or is that inflicted on them by interactions with the security in the past? Leanne in her episode says like. Uh, the security team in the past have been like, oh, you idiot, it's how you do this, or why have you been this stupid? That's not the approach. We, as a community of people in the security awareness space, the human cyber risk space, are now helping people. That is, and building that trust, that's where it's at. Absolutely. Absolutely, I agree. I think the trust is is the key word there. And, um, yeah, it's about making sure that you, you know, preserve that trust. Mm-hmm. And, and building a program around that is super important. And it, it leads us quite nicely onto my, kind of my next question. Some people might crave what I'm about to say, but being placed into a role where creating a cybersecurity culture and program from scratch is, is available to you. What was that like? And did, did you kind of, did you have a team to do it with? Was it just kind of given to you as, oh, here you go, Stu, here's something to do? Was it something you actually actively sought out? Yeah, I mean, it would be easy to be scared. And I think I probably was a bit, uh, to be fair. And we're still learning and tweaking it. And I think the main thing to, to say is that actually until December last year, it wasn't anyone's formal job. So um, our new director came in uh, about 18 months ago and observed that we had no real cybersecurity program to speak of. The, our, our technical posture was all right, but actually that cyber awareness, and, there was none of that at all. There was no mandatory training. There was there was nothing. So it would be very ad hoc. So if we would have, uh, you know, a phishing attack or, or anything like that, uh, that we had handled, we would then send out a video that I think was something I'd made that basically said, here's how to spot a phish. Here are some of the examples, you know, of how to do that. And that was basically all we did. Uh, very ad hoc and very reactive rather than proactive and very much not in that sort of science of security nudges, which obviously CyberSafe did a, a webinar about a couple of weeks ago where you're protecting them at the time, you know, in that sort of like the, the, the sat-nav example that you gave was just banging. That, that is absolutely uh, how it should be. And so we had none of that. 
And so he says, yeah, Stu, you used to be a teacher. Do you think this is something that you could go down the route of putting something in place? And I said, well, I don't think I know enough about it to write it myself, to write all of this content myself. And he's like, that's not necessarily what we need to do. Can you find us, a, 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 you know, an e-learning platform, go out and do that. So went ahead and did that, put something in place, lots of resources, built a scheme of work for a year and trying to go down that route of having sort of 10 minute monthly training. There's that drip feed, there's that constant reminder of these little things, introducing some new things to people perhaps, but also just reinforcing messages and combining that with periodic simulations of, of phishing that we can monitor and we can say how many people clicked on this link, how many people responded to it and so on. Now, I mean, we made some mistakes uh, along the way and we've, we've, you know, we've, we've learned from them. We think um, it, I've basically sort of co-opted some of the support teams. I used to be the support team manager and co-opted a few of them to just say, any of you want to help me with this, just a couple of hours a month, just building the courses and going from there. And luckily, three of the team had that time that they could they could spend to do that, which was great. And I, I really value the time and their support in building these things. So we did that. And as I say, some of the first emails that we sent actually looked like fish. And so people didn't do them or they would mark them as junk. Or in some in one instance, actually called it out on social media uh, to say, my organisation is doing this. This looks like a fish. What am I supposed to do? And I, I'll be honest, I took that quite personally because I thought I've, spent, I've put a lot of time into this and, and this is the response I get. And But then we reflected on it and said, well, actually, at least people are talking about it. At least people are talking about cybersecurity and they weren't before. You know, and I think that that really helps. And, you know, we... We started getting some positive feedback. As part of the the monthly courses, you we, we were including pictures of the of the IT team with like a little speech bubble that says "Keep going" or "Thanks for protecting the human community" and little cheesy bits like that. And then people will say, "Oh, I really like doing the monthly courses because I like to see who the person is that is going to be this month." You know, it's like a, almost like a calendar. You know, who's who's Mister October kind of thing. You know, so that that was that's quite cool. That, that was I love that. Yeah, that, that was so good. That was a nice little. That's a nice little. You know, feature. It doesn't always just have to be. You know, these really terrifying videos that talk about this a massive amount of risk that would destroy the entire organisation if you clicked on something. You know, you try and keep it light. Uh, keep it lighthearted. And in fact, the the company that we engaged for this e learning, they they sent uh, a cape that says Cyber Hero on it as part of sort of like one of their campaigns is a build up to cybersecurity awareness months last October. And so uh, you send a cape to a group of IT professionals and you're only going to really get one result, which is cyber superhero. I think so. Uh, so we created this fictional character called the Newman Defender. Uh, and we, we created this video that was a bit like if any of your listeners or indeed watchers or even you, Ben, watched uh, Question of Sport and they used to have the mystery guest round where you would just see bits of their ear and like their nose and things like this. And you go, oh, well, that's a cauliflower ear. It must be a rugby player or a boxer, you know, that kind of thing. And so we did that. And there's a guy in our team who can do the voice of like the, like those action filled, like, like in a world where no man has gone, that kind of thing, you know, that sort of voice. So we wrote this script that was just like building up this fictional person who was protecting the organisation you know, who is protecting us from these threats, who is stopping, like, you know, in a world where 
email inboxes are filling up with fish and all of this sort of stuff, you know, building up this, this tension while you just see bits of this person, like them looking at a screen that's typing a password in and, and stuff like this. And then it, it builds up to this moment of like, who is the Newman defender? And then like Spartacus, it's everyone, isn't it? So I, that's why we've got lots of people around the organization who aren't in IT to say, I am the Newman defender. Uh, holding this shield that I'd made out of cardboard because maybe I should have been a Blue Peter presenter. I don't know. But, <laughs> you know, like, who is who is the Newman Defender? That was the message. And then they're saying, I am the Newman Defender, all these people saying, I am the Newman Defender. And obviously the message being, it's everyone's responsibility to protect the organisation, not just one faceless person in IT. Tell you what, that, that A-level in third studies would not waste it, Ben. <laughs> it, might, it, might well have, it might well have been... I don't know how many years ago, uh, too many years ago, but uh, it was not wasted. So, yeah, that was that was really cool. We enjoyed that, and there was lots of really positive feedback. People talking to us everywhere about it, and we tied that in with Cyber Security Awareness Month activities. We went into areas of high footfall on campus, and we had like a bit of an outreach thing. And we so we were talking about cybersecurity with. Anyone who would stand still long enough, we would talk to them about it. We would talk about passwords. We would talk about, so we did like a password guessing game where we would get people to try and guess celebrities' internet passwords by guessing the, basically the two answers to clues about them. It, just ripping off Richard Osman's House of Games, there's a round on that called Password123. And we just did that. But the point was that if passwords are related to people, which they often are, then it's very easy to guess them because you just do a bit of research and you say, oh, well, you know, what Harry, what's Harry Kane's password? And he said, well, his two password clues are how many Premier League goals has he scored? And, you know, what was the first club that he went on loan to when he was at, at, from Tottenham? And then his password is, I don't know, 201 Norwich maybe or Leicester? I don't know. I'm not sure what his first club was. But, you know, that's the kind of thing. So that, that went really well. And obviously we had badges as well that said, I am the Newman Defender on them. And who doesn't want a badge? So, right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you've got to know your audience. They want badges and they want pens. That's what people want. So that kind of thing, admittedly, it's uh, it's cheesy. It's it's part of that, what is it, trick, train, entertain, which I know is, is sort of quite low down on the maturity spectrum of the cyber cultures and stuff. But we have to start somewhere. And, you know, we've got those people talking about You're it. You're so right. We've, You're so we've, right. We've got people engaging with us, talking to us about it. And actually, at that same presentation when I talked to our staff about about cybersecurity and about that that example of the you know locking your like locking your house up and all of that, I, I also you know talked about how password culture has evolved to being like oh it should be six characters no it should be eight characters now it should have a combination of alphanumeric characters and numbers now it should have these special characters now it should be a passphrase. And ultimately, you're, just, you're still trying to make passwords strong and they're never going to be strong because they're always going to be guessable. Or, you know, they end up being really weak because you make somebody change them every six months and people just put a different number on the end of it and, and that kind of stuff. So obviously, that's not been the guidance for a number of years. But in one of the monthly training courses that we did, you know, we had these little tests at the end of them. And one of the questions was, what is good password culture or something like that? And it was multiple choice and there was two or three right answers. And one of the correct answers was, oh, sorry, one of the wrong answers was change your password regularly. And so lots of people were ticking that because they thought that was right. 
and then they were getting it wrong. And then we had lots of people coming back to us and saying, I'm trying to do this course, but I can't pass it because I keep getting this question wrong. We think you've got it wrong. No, we've not got it wrong. In fact, this is the way that guidance has changed and actually has been in place for quite a number of years. So using that old teacher hat, a little bit of assessment for learning, people are learning by doing that test and getting it wrong in a completely sort of sandboxy environment because it's no threat that they get it wrong. Um, but again, that conversation is there. People are actually talking about cybersecurity when before they weren't. Yeah, yeah. And and this this insight that you're sharing, like you say at the beginning, like you're not afraid to admit that or, or just explain that you are at the beginning of this. Absolutely. You, you have you have made a start, which I'm going to argue is better than 80% of where other people are who just look at it and go, eh, okay, this is too difficult. You have a dedicated resource yourself to do it. You've got the buy-in from other people in the university. This insight that you are sharing is brilliant for somebody looking to start out. I hope so. Somebody that's like, where do I even begin? Um, and I know that when we'd spoken a couple of times before this, you're kind of now looking at the use of SEBDB. Having done this first year, you're looking at the SEBDB, the Security Behaviour Database, and, and, and using those things to be specific about what you want to address. And we get a lot of people asking us, like, well, where, where do we start? And what the, those examples that you've shared are exactly the right type of thing. It, yes, like you say, it is that kind of, I guess, trip, train, train, entertain element. But as long as you know that actually your end goal is to move way past that, looking at meaningful metrics, looking at behavior change, looking at culture, those, that, that, that movement is, is, is where you want to get to. You, you mentioned your programs at the end of its first, I think you use these terms, roller coaster year, obviously lots of ups and downs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things that you've tried, things that you've learned from. From a effectiveness standpoint of human cyber risk management, how have you gone about trying to look at, okay, well, how have we been effective? Yes, people obviously talking about it is a great thing, but is there anything else that you've done? I think there's an element of because it wasn't anyone's dedicated job when we started, we didn't necessarily think about it in that way. I think we probably did think about it from a compliance perspective to start with. And as I say, I know it's, know it's my proper job or part of my proper job at least. And, and listening to this and reading what I'm reading, I realize it's a little bit like, oh, I wish I could go back to the start and think about it in these regard, you know, in this perspective about these behaviors and, and so on. But I mean, you mentioned the SEBDB and it has been crucial in the last you know month or so of me looking at this and trying to identify the kind of behaviors that we, that we want to, to, to have. So we're doing a self-assessment at the moment where we're looking at all of those behaviors, which of those are we already using, which of those are partly in, in, in place, some what, what are not at all. Um, and actually what we're seeing is that we've made really good starts on quite a lot of them. And so, for example, you know, reporting suspicious emails or something like that, we can, we can say, yes, we can measure that. We can say, look, well, how many, like how many reports have we had to, we've got a dedicated email address for that, you know, and it, it pulls into our call management system. So we've got a dedicated thing for that. We can look at the data and we can see how many people are reporting it. One thing I thought about the, only the other day was the simulated phishing that we've done, that's been a big part of that roller coaster experience is that you start off and you go, right, well, we'll, we'll do a fish to get a baseline. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. So 
we, we, we started off by fishing senior leaders because we wanted to, I, to try and get buy-in from them and identify, you know, look, this is why we need this. And, you know, we did manage to get a couple who, who did fall for that, that simulated fish. And then we did the same with the rest of the, the university community. And to be honest, not many people, I was like maybe one or two people did fall for that. It was a very specific one that was to do with like, here is a voucher for, for a supermarket kind of thing, you know, and a very limited kind of success rate on that because how many people actually shop at that one? How many people use their work email address for it and so on? So maybe that wasn't so effective in terms of measuring that. A few months later, we ran another one and we, we did some communication about the fact, oh, we've done these things. We're going to be doing these things on a regular basis. We tried to introduce this idea of, um, you know, it's like a cyber fire drill, you know, in the same way that fire drill, um, you all go outside, you know what to do. And the, when the bell rings, you all go outside, you stand outside, you talk about, you know, whatever you do while you're waiting for the, the, the fire marshal to come and tell you, you can go back in the house, you, you, back in the house, back in the, in the workplace, you know, you talk about if you work in a car park, where do you go when there's a fire drill, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's fine. People know that. They've been doing it since primary school. They're very used to that idea. But then maybe cyber fire drills, as it were, they aren't used to. So, you you know, we tried to introduce that as a concept. So we think people were okay with that. They get it. That's cool. And, and then you start catching quite a lot of people with not necessarily very sophisticated simulations. And, and part of you... On, again, I'm like being very honest in, in our reflection. Part of you is quite excited that you did it. And then you realise how terrifying that is that so many people did fall for it and how much of a risk that is now posing to your organisation. And that's, it's really hard to, to reconcile that, you know, that you think that's, that's really quite scary. Around Christmas time, we also did one where it was offering, uh, it was pre pretending to be from HR and was offering a voucher for, again, I think for supermarket or, or something. I can't quite remember what it was. And there was a really mixed reaction to that. And I think we, we at the time, and I, I, I was very, you know, very much guilty of this. It was like, well, cyber criminals aren't going to have any you know, compunction about doing this, about this, about, about, you know, trying to exploit cost of living and all that sort of stuff. But actually we probably eroded some of the trust that we built up. You know, it's sort of like we're trying to help people learn, but at the same time you're teaching them the hard way. It's really not, it's not what we should have, maybe we shouldn't have done that, you know. And, and you're learning. Yeah, exactly. You are learning. It, it is. And you, every point in this podcast, you said, look, I, I hold my hands up or I admit it was probably the wrong place. You're at least trying something. And, and that is uh, like, it is going to be difficult. There are going to be things that you come up against, you know, things that you try that you go, actually, you know what, maybe we shouldn't have tried that. But it's again, this community piece, the more that you interact with this community, and I know that a lot of people will probably speak to you after this episode and go, hey, like, I'm pretty much in the same stage as you. I'm actually not even doing anything you'll you will see and and it's it's you've got to start somewhere to then like if you're not keeping score you're just practicing 
it, it's it's so important. But the fact that you are trying these things and looking at, okay, right, how does it fit with our culture? Because so many cultures are different and university will have its own. Each university will also have its own one. So again, the more people you speak to in the university sphere as well, you'll learn from them, look at how they've been doing it, how they support both. We've got some people, customers of CyberSafe, who support both staff and faculty uh, and so on. So that's a, that's a huge piece. It's just like trying new things. You're now obviously looking at the different behaviours outside of just kind of behaviour of reporting, phishing and um, com- completing training and using SEBDB to do that. But being specific is now where you you can narrow down and be like, right, these are the behaviours we want to address. Yeah, exactly. So how do we go about that? Yeah, how do we, how do we measure those? Yeah. It's going to be a learning curve. There'll be things that you will try that actually be like, okay, you know what, I learned this from somebody else in the community, but it didn't necessarily work for us. We'll go back to the drawing board. We'll try it again. It's just that constant evolution. Yeah, exactly. And I think what I think what we're going to try and do, you know, try and do another simulation in the next couple of months. And I think what we're going to, what I am inclined to do is actually try and focus on how many people reported it rather than how many people fell for it. Because that's a positive behaviour. Yeah. Exactly. And try and reinforce that positivity. You know, like we, we've tried to do that. And whenever, like, I think we have quite a positive culture about the reporting. So when somebody reports it, uh, it say it's pulled into our, our ITSM and the service desk will reply to it. And they'll say, yep, yeah, that was us. That was a simulation. Thanks very much for your vigilance and for protecting the Newman community. You know, thanks for being the Newman defender, whatever, that kind of a thing, reinforcing those messages. So I think it's always very positive in that regard. But I think, yeah, it's very easy to get caught up in how many people fell for it rather than how many people didn't and actively reported it and, and tried to, you know, tried to protect. Yeah, and it exhibited that positive behaviour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you can, again, you can look at it compared to historic data. You've got that baseline, you understand where you came from and where you are now. But also, it's one behaviour out of however many that you now have kind of at your disposal to, to, to go and measure it. But like I say, being specific is, is now that next approach. Um, just, just to wrap up, I'd love to get your kind of, and I haven't done this on previous episodes and I probably should have. See, also learning. <laughs> I'm now an avid podcast listener. My walks, my runs, bike rides, soon to be maybe when I'm swimming, getting some waterproof headphones, listening to podcasts. So learning from each one. But one is, is what are two things... What are your two key takeaways from from this podcast that can be for the wider industry, people who are in your position, for other universities? What would you say they are? Yeah, I think it's about using the resources that are available to identify what success looks like for your organisation. You you touched on it earlier there, Ben, that the the experience will be different, the culture will be different from wherever you you work. So I think I'm as I say, very sort of self-reflective and I, and I know that I am guilty of trying to reinvent the wheel sometimes. And that's mainly because I want people to say to me, wow, that wheel you made is great. Rather than actually just saying, well, there's already wheels, just get a wheel. Do you know what I mean? So I think there's, a, there's there are lots of resources that you don't have to make things yourself, you know, so use that, even if it's just using it as inspiration to, to, to do a mentee around thing. And I, and I, the other thing I've noticed from from listening to CyberSafe, uh, you know, the Behave podcast is so many of the people have come from a non-tech or non-cyber background in the first place. You know, I didn't expect to find it this interesting. 
I thought, well, cybersecurity, it's going to be a small part of the role that I, have, you know, the, the promotion that I have. I'll just deal with it and I'll learn it and that'll be fine. And because I thought it was all the technical stuff, uh, all the processes, a lot, a lot of boring things. I'll be you know, totally honest about it. I thought it was going to be the case. And in fact, it, all the interesting stuff about people and human psychology and that is the fascinating bit. So like, I'm really, I'm, I'm all, almost converted to a cyber person. Uh, nearly, not quite. I don't know that I'm quite ready for it, but. One day, one day. One day I will, be, I will be a cyber person. But, and, but yeah, that's the, that's the thing. So it don't feel like it's a community you can't belong to, I think is, is what I would say, because there's so many people who've come from a very similar background and actually just like it because they're like people. Amazing. Amazing. What a great point to finish on. Thanks. No, no, that's, it's been, it's been really good actually. I didn't even write that <laughs> bit down then. That was <laughs> so good. It's gold. It's gold. I know. We love it. That's it for today's episode. Uh, and I know that Stuart will, will back me up in, in saying this, but if you need any more support, if you want to ask Stuart anything, do connect with him on, on LinkedIn. He will, is really, really up for, for meeting more people in this community. Try and make me sound more needy, Ben, if you can. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, there's a lot that people can learn from you, but, but also an opportunity for, for I guess, you to, to meet the, the other people in this industry um, and what they're doing. So if you want to find out more about CyberSafe and a number of other resources and, and obviously all the other podcasts, uh, head to www.cybersafe.com and we will see you next time. Stuart, thanks for joining us. It's been, it's been really fun having you on. Nice one, Ben. Thanks. I've really enjoyed it. No worries, catch you soon.